Welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Welcome to episode 7 of History for Weirdos. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Andrew. And we're so happy that you are listening to us right now. That's our bird, Delta. She is also happy that you're listening. I don't know if you all could hear that, but we do have a bird and she squawks. So our apologies for the animal background noises that you're bound to hear during this podcast. Yeah, every definitely every once in a while you'll hear like little... Or, like, Stella just running around being an idiot. And Stella's our corky. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, she's okay. And <laughs> <laughs> we tolerate her and she tolerates us. We think she's secretly a cat. Yeah, definitely. But for this episode, I'm super excited because you're going to tell, like, what sounds like, I mean, he just gave me a very brief um, explanation, what sounds like a really interesting story. Yes, it's... It is. It's very, this is a little unique because I think previously what I've done is kind of just given like detailed descriptions of events that have happened in the past, you mm-hmm. know, kind like of like just like retelling eight. weird stuff. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. This one, I'm, it's a little bit more, I'm a little actually nervous because it's like diving kind of into the psyche and we are going over one of the most, if not the most controversial group in human history. Okay. Tell us what it is, babe. We are going to dive into the Nazis, and not only the Nazis, but secret societies. Secret societies within the Nazi party? Exactly. Okay. Yes. I, also, are the Nazis controversial, or are they just, like, Oh, I terrible? mean, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Infamous. Yeah, infamous. Maybe that's a better word. Yeah, infamous. Um, yeah, like, exactly. And this was also what's kind of weird about this episode, is usually uh-huh. the weird stuff we've done before has kind of right. been, like, cool or a little offbeat. This is weird, but is also, like, Horrible. Pure evil. Yeah. Yeah. Malevolence and just literally pure evil. It's on the other end of the weird spectrum and that it's almost like, how the hell is this possible? Right. Okay. Exactly. And I'm trying, and part of like what I'm going to be doing here is trying to like dive into like some events. I mean, it's not like we're going to do like a crazy, crazy deep dive, but just trying to understand how this could happen. Right. Yeah. No, this is definitely, we, we give brief broad stroke stories. Mm-hmm. We try to get um, important details right as much as we can, but this is this is not an educational podcast, my friends. <laughs> we cannot guarantee you will learn things. It might just happen accidentally. Exactly. Hey, that, that's good enough, right? That's good enough for us, definitely. <laughs> okay, so I know you've made a lot of fun of me in the past about not citing <laughs> sources, so I'm doing this at the beginning. Do it right at the top. I'm, I like it. I have here in my hand a National Geographic called Secret Societies, True Tales of Covert Cults and Organizations and Their Leaders. Oh, yeah. And that's that's where I derive most of my information from. It's pretty, honestly, I really recommend it because I know I'm just covering kind of like two that were within the Nazi party. But they're, I mean, they have everything from like ancient, ancient times to more or less present day. Yeah. 
really, really interesting. Definitely one of my favorite National Geographic uh, magazines I've ever read. Yeah, I'll post a picture of it on our Instagram for folks to see. Um, you can follow us at History for Weirdos. Exactly. Okay, I'm really excited, babe. Okay. Go ahead and dive in. Okay, so before we even get to the secret societies, we have to mm-hmm. kind of understand the prevailing German psyche in the prelude to World War II. And we have to dive into actually like World War One. Uh-huh. And so just a very incredibly like 30-second brief summary of World War One. World War One kicked off in yeah. 1914 with the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Mm-hmm. And that was on a powder keg. It was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. All of the powers of Europe just ended up there. They hated each other and they ended up like that was the catalyst for them just fighting. Right. And the fighting lasted for four years. Um, and then the Treaty of Versailles was signed in 1919. And I will never forget this, mm-hmm. but in AP Euro history, mm-hmm. when I was in high school, yeah. I remember, I think it was like a substitute teacher or something. He wrote on the board the Treaty of Versailles and then in parentheses and underlined like worst treaty ever. Absolutely. Because that treaty essentially, and I'll, I'll dive into a little bit, mm-hmm. like led to fascism yeah. and led to World War II. Yeah. Like, an even worse conflict. Of course, yeah. It so, was not a treaty. It was not a treaty. Yeah, yeah. it was punitive. Mm-hmm. Actually, you have that in my notes here. Oh, wow. Well. Yes. The <laughs> Treaty of Versailles, in fact, this is exactly what I wrote. The Treaty of Versailles was a harsh sentence on German economics and were very largely punitive in nature. Yeah. So get this. They mm-hmm. had, and this was in 1919, 1920, 21, mm-hmm. early, so basically like early 20s. They had to pay the equivalent of 33, this day is in Germany, $33 billion in payments as stated by the Treaty of Versailles and later clarified in the 1921 London Schedule of Payments. $33 billion? $33 billion. And this is back in, again, like 1921. Oh my God. Yeah. It's almost like they never wanted them to be able to pay off the amount. In fact, it's funny you say that because Germany in 2010 made news because they made the final payment. Oh my God. 2010. <laughs> That's nuts. It is nuts. So, and um, I mean, this just sent the German economy into a spiral. Of course. So in yeah. December, and I think this point perfectly illustrates it, nine, in December 1923, uh-huh. the exchange rate between a, the German marks and one U.S. dollar mm-hmm. was $5.7 billion to one. Oh my God. That is like some of the worst runaway inflation, I think, in history. That's terrible. 5.7 billion marks to one U.S. dollar mm. was the exchange rate. December of 1923. In fact, like that, it they stopped that currency and had to create like a brand new currency. That's so insane. It's, it's utter like insanity. As millennial college graduates, we understand <laughs> crippling debt, you guys, and this is this one hurts even me. <laughs> I know. And so obviously, um, that you know, the Treaty of Versailles placed a huge portion of the blame on Germany. And right. it was and most historians kind of agree now that that was very much so undeserved. Really? Yeah. I don't think I ever really learned it that way. Yeah, I mean, they were definitely like the aggressor, but they didn't start the war. Mm-hmm. And so and honestly, there was plenty of blame to go around. They mm-hmm. just happened to be on like the losing side of it. I see. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. again, they weren't like the good guys, but like in that war really no one was. Okay. So and then also, just to make matters worse, 
during the 20s, like the Allies, especially the United States, experienced unprecedented growth. I was Whereas, about to say, we had the roaring 20s yeah, at we this had time. The roaring 20s, st- people getting rich off the stock market. Right. They're becoming overnight, you know, essentially present-day millionaires. Mm-hmm. Um, and whereas Germany was in recession the entire 20s, basically. The poor, like, the poor everyday German person at that time. You know, like, I oh, feel yeah. so much for them, for people who had, as we do as citizens, had no say in what their government would do or not do. hmm And just suffered the consequences more than anybody. Yep. That's so sad. It really is. Yeah. It's it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh, but again, like, 1929 happens. The United States gets right. thrown into the Great Depression right after the stock yeah. market crash. And this had effects in England, uh, right. France, because some of their economy... I, I'm not going to dive into it, because uh, one, I don't know the particulars, and two, like, mm-hmm. it's not really poignant for this but like they experienced some recession and depression as well like a ripple effect exactly um but then also germany was tied to um, america in two very crucial ways Mm -hmm. which then spent you know sent their economy into a downward spiral even more even more so wow so germany relied on american banks for access to easy capital okay so that they could you know they would essentially you know get loans to grow their businesses Mm-hmm. On a, in a very like through American banks through American banks because okay. they're the ones that had like excess cash right <laughs> um, and yeah. this you know after the stock market crash this you know this access to cash just dried up um, yeah people is that like what I'm thinking of like depicted in films like people running to the banks trying to get their money yes out? yeah like the infamous like run on the banks yeah just to get their cash out mm-hmm. and so obviously you know. American banks couldn't even, like, lend to Americans. They're not going to be lending to Germans. Exactly. So, and then also the second really important thing is, um, speaking of that growth that I said earlier, Mm -hmm. German exporters really relied on American consumers for expansion of their businesses. And the American federal government put up tariffs to protect, um, you know, domestic uh, companies. That's not nice. No. I mean, I get it. I understand it, but it this it, action led to the to the prolonged Great Depression. If they allowed our markets to remain open, most economists believe that it wouldn't have been as profound. Right. I think it makes sense to do things like this in the short term, mm-hmm. but essentially, it's it's like it's limiting the overall wealth that exactly. can be distributed globally. And when it's distributed globally, it kind of, it gets back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much, that's exactly right. Cause, and what happened is, you know, we put up tariffs against right. other, like pretty much every other foreign entity, mm-hmm. they put up tariffs against us. And oh, it was just like, boom, everyone boom, was boom, just boom, like boom. being super pouty. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. And, you know, these German products are, were now unaffordable to the mass of Americans who were already struggling as it was. Mm-hmm. So, the, and it just, and then, like, a third thing that's not really related to Americans was actually internal, but the Weimar Republic, which was the German government at the time. Uh-huh. And, the, like, kind of right after World War One and before the, the Nazis took over. Okay. They, um, their response to this whole thing was to raise taxes and to cut employees' wages, which just... <laughs> Like, oh literally, my God. <laughs> worst idea ever, man. 
they were just really, really concerned about like their deficit spending. But that's like, so awful. But I mean, yeah, that's this isn't the right way to do it. So, Raise taxes and cut wages. Yep. And you, like, I don't, th- I, I don't know. I'm not an expert in German economy in the 1930s. What? But I know, right? I know. That's why <laughs> Shoot I married me now. you. <laughs> but I do have to say that, like, um, you know, I don't think there was a ton of free enterprise at the time. And so a lot uh-huh. of it was, unfortunately, you know, a lot of jobs were tied to government. So Right. No, I would assume so. So, like, yeah, this That's would a good affect. Point, mm-hmm. Yeah, this would have, this kind of action right here would affect, like, millions of people. Only the government would do a move like that. Only the government, man. Yeah. <laughs> Only the government. So this is where the German, all this that has happened in the past, you know, over 10 years now, mm-hmm. this is where the German populist minds were at. Mm-hmm. They were just, have been crushed and crushed and crushed mm-hmm. for years. So, like, now that we understand how the, just the regular where German person, from. yeah, mm-hmm. where they're coming from. We can kind of understand how there was almost like a willingness for a savior, mm. no matter who awful mm-hmm. that would be, mm. just that there is a savior. Mm-hmm. So now that we kind of understand that German psyche, I kind of want to also now explore, go back again and explore the roots of the Nazi party. Okay. So but predating even the party itself, there was a secret organization called the Thule Society Founded Thule, T-H-U-L-E. Okay. So this isn't an explicit Nazi part or Nazi party mm-hmm. secret organization. However, a lot of like OG Nazis like, were in the Thule were, society. Exactly. Okay. And, I'll, and I'll, it'll make sense in a second. They espoused racial dominance of the quote unquote Aryan race who fought the quote unquote degenerate races for thousands of years. I just threw up in my mouth, everyone. Yeah, it's <laughs> it gets worse. Um, initiates in the organization had to swear that, again, quote, no Jewish or colored blood mm. flows in either his his or his wife's veins. End oh, quote. my God. Yes. In fact... They weren't trying to hide it at all. No, no, no. They straight up... I mean, it was a secret society, but they straight up were like... But this is their proclamation exactly. of, of white supremacy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Not white supremacy and, and like, utter dominance. Mm-hmm. Like, not even, like, it, it's really bad. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I put this point in here, too, like, because it kind of illustrates their, like, almost fanaticism. There was an artist in the group. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Didn't get a name. Okay. But in 1935, he painted an infamous painting called The Standard Bearer, showing Hitler as an armored knight holding a large swastika flag. And this was reminiscent of the largely Germanic Teutonic Knights from the Crusades. Oh, so Hitler as a crusader. Basically as a crusader. Hitler doing God's work. Yes. Which is very ironic. I'll get a little... Actually, you know, I'll say that for for like a little bit. But it it is... It's very ironic. Well, the crusaders were also jackasses. They were jackasses. So I guess that makes sense. That that does make (laughs) sense, Yeah. So this Thule Society attracted, again, like I said earlier, uh-huh. the early members and sympathizers of the Nazi party and kind of laid <sighs> the foundation of the party itself. Mm-hmm. Um, early and most loyal, like, paramilitary, uh, or I'm sorry, the earliest and most loyal um, paramilitary and military units of the Nazis mm-hmm. were um, 
not only were they in this this organization, but they uh, like an offshoot of this ended mm-hmm. up forming the infamous Schutstaffel, yeah. which is um, in an English called the like you know I guess translates to the Protection Squad or AKA the simply the SS. Mm-hmm. So SX or SS Reichsfuhrer Heinrich Himmler was like f- utterly fascinated by secret societies. I don't know if he was in the Thule Society or not. I can ass- I think it's safe to assume he probably was. Right. But he was fascinated by them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a this is like literally like Hitler's maybe if not like just one of his right hand man. This might be his, his actual yeah. right hand man, like number two dude in the entire Nazi party. Right. This guy was incredibly okay. powerful. Yeah. So he modeled the SS af- on the Teutonic Knights. And, like, oh. for Himmler, he envisioned that, like, SS officers mm. were, like, the spiritual successors and descendants of the Teutonic organization. I'm, like, covered <laughs> in chills this whole time. I, I know. Like, this is stranger. And this is, I mean, this, this is, is actual Nazi doctrine here. Like, this is, this is, like, you know, this isn't just, like, some, like, oh, like, it's deep within the party and it's kind of obscure. No, this is, like, literally, like, like, the actual, like, Nazi like standard right it's insane absolutely delusional cruel right psychotic in the worst ways yes like this is i know it's wow yes it's i i don't even know i don't, I can't put words to it honestly i'm kind of at a loss yeah absolutely it gets it gets even worse okay so let's, i mean let's keep going as you can expect from nazis <laughs> this is definitely what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode where this is weird history and that the weirdness is like horrifying right this is the yeah. first time i think that we this is not a good weird this is yeah. just pure malevolence mm-hmm. so the ss would work tirelessly under himmler to restore a pure germanic culture in the country mm-hmm. they even put germanic pagan symbols on their uniforms as they truly believed in this mysticism. Oh, so like their ancient religion, like pre-Christianity. Yeah, pre-Christianity because it doesn't matter. Right. They, 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 like, they saw themselves as Teutonic Knights but not because of the Christian aspect. Right. So they, they truly are advertising like the pride is in that we come from the Germanic this land. culture. Yeah, yeah. The blood. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, and they had such reverence you know, to the country's ancient past, mm-hmm. and they would instill an obedience and larger patriotism for the Nazi regime, not anything else. That was like the number one thing is like they're pulling all these things uh-huh. to support the Nazi regime. Right. And then ironically, you know, this would come at the expense of organized religion, which the Teutonic Knights revered above all else. Right. The Catholic Church was. That was what they served. Exactly. It just, so, it's the, very ironic. Yes. And like, again, with Nazis, they don't care about, like, I mean, anything decent. <laughs> it's just whatever can fit their needs. Exactly. And they'll logic, throw away anything else. Logic goes out the window as long as they can manipulate things to get what they want. Absolutely. Couldn't mm-hmm. have said it better myself. Mm-hmm. So... This would all culminate in, you know, in their minds with a new order of mm-hmm. the entire European continent led by Germany. Yeah. Oh my Obviously and thankfully, mm-hmm. this did not come to fruition as we should all know the <laughs> Allies <flash. laughs> won World War II. And again, you know, I, I hope you all know this, but yes, we, uh, the Allies won World War II in, you know, 1945. Mm-hmm. And Hitler... Committed suicide, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'd say it's fair to 
to clarify this point, because a lot of folks listening, probably like us, studied history in the United States, which means we don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so let's just clarify. The yeah. Allies won. <laughs> the Allies won. So, yeah, like, U- coalition of, like, U.S., Britain, um, Soviet Union, Australia, uh-huh. Canada, you know, all the good guys. I always forget about Australia. Yeah. yeah Australia. Yeah, they were important. Yes, definitely. Yeah, speaking of Australia, if you haven't heard the episode of the Great Human War, definitely um, recommend that one. A much more lighthearted war. Yeah, much more lighthearted. <laughs> It, that one's just funny. Yes. Except for the for the emus. Except for the emus. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, emus. Fallen okay. soldiers. Oh, yeah, and France, too. They were part of the Allies. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm just going to pause here and give just a kind of a recap of okay. what happens. So, you know, Germ- Germany was, lack of a better term, was in the crapper yeah. in the 20s and the early 30s. Absolutely. Gave rise to the Nazis. Mm-hmm. You know, this was the Nazis had their you know, foundation and just like, just besides idiocy, um, you know, racial supremacy, bigotry, xenophobia, like, you know, all the, the isms that you can think of. All the fun stuff. All the good stuff. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Hitler, man, that dude was a peach. Yeah. (laughs) So that's, and then, you know, they have this, these grand visions of, of conquering all of Europe, like Mm -hmm. spouting their BS to everyone else. And, um, you know, and that came, a lot of it came from the Thule Society earlier. Mm-hmm. So, mentioning the Thule Society, though, is interesting because that was an, a catalyst for spreading Nazi ideals. But this next organization I want to talk about mm-hmm. was not only spreading Nazi ideals, but was actually responsible for spreading the Nazis themselves. Okay. So this, and... I know, I, I leave that for a little bit of... I want to pause here because, yeah. like, it seemed like you're confused a little bit. It is. What does It is that confusing. Mean? Because we have to... Now we're going to jump ahead to the end of the war. Okay. So, by the close of 1944... Oh, shoot. Yes. I, you know where it's going now. Yeah. Yes. This we're is, at the end. We're at the end now. That's probably what I'm fearing, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, keep going. So... The end of 1944, like, you know, combined American, Canadian, and English uh, invasion force had landed in Normandy and, you know, along France (laughs) and has been marching towards the Rhine. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the war for the Nazis on the Eastern Front wasn't faring much better. Mm -hmm. The Soviets were pushing back um, and they were marching on towards Germany. So they're essentially getting, like, like... Like a vice, or yeah, like squished. They're getting squished back into Germany, yeah, from both the east and the west. Mm -hmm. A lot of Nazi leadership saw this as the beginning of the end. Okay, they had no illusions. They weren't like Hitler. They were like, "We're going to fight back." You know, they're like, "Yeah, this is this is over. Like, we're screwed at this point." They saw the writing on the wall. Exactly, they were evil, but they weren't stupid. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately, I know. So this dreams of a Nazi empire were. And thankfully, <laughs> we're quickly turning into a <laughs> twisted fantasy and would never materialize. Yay. It was, you know, during this time, again, like I said, those mm-hmm. Nazi officials, um, according to, you know, a f- like famous Nazi hunter, Simon Weisenthal. Dis- famous Nazi hunter. I know. that man. I, that's a great occupation. That's a very I, cool I was job. born too late. I mean, they're all <laughs> yeah. dead. Like, or, you know, not all, if they're not all dead, it's like they're in their 90s. It's yeah. like. They're close to it. Yeah, it's like jackass. (laughs) (laughs) You could be a Nazi hunter and just find the really old guys and just be like, jackass. And then then they just have a heart attack and die. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. 
Okay, so, so this, this, this dude, uh-huh. Simon Weisenthal, um, dope Nazi hunter, he this um, he theorized that it was like you know around this time that the Nazis decided to create a secret organization to transport themselves, colleagues, and family to safety after <sighs> the Nazi uh, regime's inevitable connect, uh, collapse. They had a backup plan. They had a backup plan. Um, and unfortunately with Nazis, they were very, very efficient and they could get things done. Mm-hmm. Very unfortunate. This organization became known as Odessa, um, an acronym that in German, in German mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, spelled stood for stood that. And, mm-hmm. but like in, uh, the, the way it translates to English is the organization of former SS associates. That's yeah. not a fun group. Not a good group. Mm-hmm. So using the immense wealth that was largely coming from the theft of Jewish people and others <laughs> that were deemed or deemed undesirable by the Nazi regime, wow. they were able to develop very complicated transportation and logistics networks. From the money that they stole, stole. the art that they stole. The- exactly. Oh, my God. These, I mean, these... Yeah, no. such piece of shit. There's like, no, there's no redeemable quality. No, like literally situation. none. Yeah. This so this groundwork set the stage for mm. delivering its members to countries that were sympathetic to the Nazi regime. No. Mainly Paraguay and and of course infamously Argentina. <sighs> Por qué? <laughs> <laughs> I know the Latina in you is like no. Don't bring them over here. I'll get to it in a little bit. Those are where most of them went, but I will, at the end, I'm going to discuss something else as well. Yeah, okay. I'm so upset. Yes. I, I knew all of this, and I'm so upset, like, <laughs> every time I hear it. Yeah. Um, it's really upsetting. Mm-hmm. not going to lie. So, you know, these members were given really well-forged documents establishing new identities and, quote-unquote, like, legends. Mm-hmm. So, like, fake, you know, backstories. Right. For these FS officers and their families. So it's like being in witness protection, but it's Nazi protection. Yes, pretty much. That's disgusting. Go on. And, like, not only just <laughs> witness protections, I think usually, like, continental United States, maybe, you know, Alaska or Hawaii, but, I mean, this was getting people, like, to the other side of the world. It's pretty, I mean, you know, while they're essentially under siege, right, from both sides. Oh, my God. So, and these, oh, my God, get this, though. Uh These documents were so good that these former SS officers were even hired by, like, the U.S. Army to be truck drivers shuttling people and goods across the country because they just thought, like, oh, yeah, they're they're normal people. These documents check out. Oh, my God. So we unknowingly and unwittingly were, like, Helping them out. The R.U.S. Army. That's so vile to think about. I know. and But we did knowingly and wittingly hire Nazi scientists. That's what I was going to get States. to. Yeah, that's what I was going to get to later. Um, <laughs> you, you ruined the point. I'm so sorry. It's just it's one of our least proud moments. And we have yeah. many unproud moments as Americans. That is true. So... Secret transit points were established at border crossings Mm -hmm. where, like, these Nazi officers and other war criminals would be handed off and begin, like, the next stage of their journey. So, like, you know, they would go, like, go into, like, Switzerland and then, like, you know, once they're there, they're kind of, like, it's a lot easier, right? To, uh, like... In this, this is so, this is pissing me off so much because that's exactly how 
Jewish people and lots of other minority groups had to flee from them. And now they're just kind of like, oh, we're going to do the same thing yeah. and save our own skin. Exactly. Using the wealth that they stole. From these people. Right. It's so, so messed up. Erg. So, I know. Basically, most of these people would eventually find their way into, you know, South American regimes, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, pair or sorry, countries mm-hmm. um, with regimes that were sympathetic to the Nazi cause. So it's like, just to clarify, it's like the government, the governing body of Argentina or Paraguay were aware Oh, yes, they and were very down, aware. And, like, super down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Juan Perón, the, the president of Argentina, fully endorsed this. Not With him, it wasn't necessarily more... It probably was, you know, he agreed with the Nazis, you know, on some level. Mm-hmm. Probably not, you know, he wasn't a fanatic. But, like, right. he agreed, you know, definitely racist. Right. Um, but then also, he, he realized, though, he was... He's like, these, like... There's a lot of smart people. They could help Argentina. Like we he don't thought care. they would come and bolster his country. Exactly. Because they had accomplished in his eyes, accomplished by using loosely exactly. so much. Exactly. And like and with within these mm-hmm. Nazi officials were like doctors, were engineers. Right, and, right. You know, like the Nazis were the first um they first developed rockets mm-hmm. before like Americans or Soviets so he wanted or the their, English. The asset of their knowledge exactly. and their skills. But was also probably racist. To be fine with this, you have to be. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And racism is super prevalent in Latin America. I mean, it's a global issue, really. Right. Yeah. <sighs> but, yeah, I know. it. It's messed up. But, like, <laughs> but what's also happened, and, and I don't, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but, like, you know, from like the South American side, but you know, these Nazis were come up, would come over. They're smart. They're powerful. Mm-hmm. They developed their own little spheres of influences within, you know, the, you know, communities. Within these countries. Yeah. Uh-huh. Within communities within the country, within even governments themselves, like of the Argentinian and Paraguayan governments. Yeah. Paraguayan. That yeah. sounds good. So, and amongst some of these most notorious war criminals, mm-hmm. Was, you know, number one, the infamous Adolf Eichmann. Yeah. Who we all know was the ch- one of the chief architects, if not the actual chief architect of the Holocaust. Yep. Well, he's I the keep one getting who's, chills like, yeah, as you tell this. Like, he was, like, the one that set up, like, all the transportation and logistics uh, of the Holocaust that, like, could actually make it happen. It's really messed up. I just can't. Yeah. But with, you know, what makes me happy, though, mm-hmm. Eichmann... Um, was eventually caught, mm-hmm. uh, as we know, mm-hmm. and was executed by being hung from the neck until death on June 1st, 1962. Good for the people that dedicated themselves to finding these, like, awful human exactly. beings. Exactly. Yeah. And I just, you know what, I love that it was Israeli forces, too, yes. that were like, you know what, no. We're going to go <laughs> get this mofo, yeah. and then we're going to, like, kill him. Yeah, we're going mean, to... But you know what, though? They gave him a trial. They gave him a trial. They gave this just complete, utter, like, piece of crap a yeah. trial. It's way far more than that shell of a man would have ever done for another human being. No, he was responsible for yeah. millions of deaths. Yeah, and they millions. gave him a trial. And they still gave him a trial. Yeah. I mean, he I mean, treated there's, he there's... treated like the Jewish people like worse than animals. Yeah. It was, ugh, terrible. 
thank God they got him. Yeah, that's no. like a one little. Oh, but bit you're not. You're not gonna. I, I I almost didn't want to even like say this next part. <laughs> this is bad. Oh boy, say it. So, and the second most probably infamous person that used was part of Odessa and oh, okay. came across was a um, a doctor, a Nazi doctor by the name of Joseph Mengel, yep, who conducted guy. absolutely horrendous and barbaric medical experiments on cancion, or concentration camp prisoners. Yes. And the most upsetting part about this is he lived out his natural life in Brazil. Like, lived in, like... A, how do we know... Do you know how we know that he did? No, he did. I mean, there was pictures of him in the 70s just eating at, like, a diner with his family. I don't oh know why. I think there was... Maybe with Brazil in particular, uh-huh. I, I don't know the specifics behind this. I was going to say, if we knew, if like the world knew he was there, how come the, like, the U.S. didn't step in or Israel didn't step in? Because, um, I, th- I, I mean, so Israel, like what they did in 19, the early 60s, Eichmann was illegal under right. Argentinian law, right? Right, they did it very covertly. It was covert, yeah. They had like, to sneak him out of the country. Exactly, right. it was all done like... It's it, not like Argentina was like, hey, we, yeah, they were not we brought this Nazi him. over here. Yeah. Do you want him? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, they weren't going to extradite him. Okay. So, so probably the same with Brazil? That's what I'm assuming. And so, okay. you know, he got to live the rest of his life. I hate everyone. I know. This is <laughs> insanely upsetting, though, is mm-hmm. that a 2012 study estimated that around 9 thousand Nazi officials and officers eventually found themselves in South American countries. Nine thousand? Nine thousand. That's how spread, that's how well connected this Odessa network was. They weren't the only one. They were just the biggest and and most well-funded and most infamous, I suppose, now. Nine thousand. I had no idea. I don't know. Like, you, because, ugh. You see, like, in movies or TV shows and stuff when they do it, I always imagined it was, like, a handful. Mm-hmm. A handful that just, you know, influenced people when they got there, influenced other psychopaths when they arrived in these countries. But no. I didn't realize 9,000. 9,000. 9,000. Mm. I know. That's it's, ridiculous. It, yeah, it is. And I think, and also, I, my my note here underneath that uh-huh. was disappointed (laughs) absolutely so is odessa odessa is like it's just like a secret like shoot off of then it's just like a yeah like almost like a group membership style thing for of like former ss officials yes yeah wow i know and their families yeah and their families so i know it's it's absolutely nuts i mean i I, it's hard for me to like put words to it, but I think also, but like, I do want to make one point here mm-hmm. is that like, I've been picking or what seemingly is picking a lot on like South American countries, particularly Argentina and yeah. Paraguay. But I mean, w- United States, the mm-hmm. Soviet union were also very much so complicit in taking and pardoning mm-hmm. these, you know, Nazi these war officials, criminals. war criminals that mm-hmm. conducted terrible experiments, but were like brilliant. Mm-hmm. And we could use them for our own means, mm-hmm. like our like own. I'm pretty sure, like our rocket program, you know, that got us to the moon, definitely had people from the Nazi party. Yeah, that, that helped. I mean, Nazi scientists, exactly. Like in some way, shape, or form, you know. And that, like, 
I'm just so disappointed in everyone. I know. It really is. I mean, yeah, like, there was a whole... I know there was a CIA, like, um, I don't know, mission or uh-huh. whatever you want to call it. That operation. was operation. Yeah. That was, like, literally set up to, re- like, find and recruit ex-Nazis and bring them to the so, United States and give them, like, full pardons. That's disgusting. It's not even, like, these guys tried to bargain their way in and, like, begged and made promises. It's like, we were like, you know who would be a great hire? Nazis. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, Only the U.S. government in its infinite wisdom yes. would do something like that. That's so... But actually, no, not only because the Soviets did the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... And That's it, insane. So, like, I bring that up mm-hmm. in particular because, like, yes, like, the, the large masses went to South America, but, I mean... But we we want to hi- like always like want to have this like moral high ground like we defeated the Nazis and we did and like our GIs like yeah you know deservedly like you know are like you know deserve to be lionized essentially you mm-hmm. know they were the service members that went and fought exactly went they, and fought and did what they what they needed to do what they needed to do it's like the larger leadership that were just equal some like generations like give all and some take all Mm -hmm. and they were definitely the former that generation gave it Mm -hmm. gave their all Mm -hmm. um so i know and 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 so we know this now but at the time this must have all been so covert it was it was incredibly imagine what pieces of shit the u.s (laughs) would have looked like to the world like like you said like be feeling very like superior for having helped defeat the Nazis and then being like, but we would also like you to come over here and teach us your evil ways, please. (laughs) Pretty much. Like, it must have just been really, really secretive and Mm -hmm. that's just, the like, I imagine a soldier, you know, anyone finding that out in that time and just the deception and the disenchantment and the, like, well, I don't know, my morale would be crushed to know that oh, my absolutely. government that sent me out there and let me and my friends risk our lives would do that. Yeah. Ugh. I know. Ugh. So that's that's pretty much all I have on that. And on Odessa? On Odessa. And, you know, I think the one, one piece that I think we'll, I'll leave everyone with is that yeah. all these Nazis came over, they developed their spheres of influence, and right. those spheres of influence permeated <clears throat> into culture into government mm-hmm. into art which is oh. terrifying Babe, that's know, such a good point i know and it's you know the nazis did die out right but their ideals do they live on absolutely and in I this think country we see it and at, in other countries yeah, yeah we see it it's not like the exact same but like those offshoots are there mm-hmm. and it's like it's almost like a weed you just need to plow up the field and then burn the taproot Mm-hmm. You're right. I think we, I mean, for me personally, growing up and going to school here in the U.S., I think we like to think of these issues as being a thing of the past. Right. And being something that we defeated and squashed and we were the heroes, but it it is permeating our systems today. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And exactly. And you know what? This is kind of like a, almost like a 
a funny example. Uh-huh. Um, you're, <laughs> yeah. I know. So I know. I almost like paused, or I almost didn't say that. But like, uh-huh. it reminds me of that story that you told me about your cousin uh-huh. who was when she was in Argentina and she was at a boarding school. Like, or she wasn't at a boarding school, but yeah, yeah, she was at. A, yeah, you tell the story. My family um, was living in. My family members were living in Argentina for my uncle's job, and um, these girls at my cousin's high school were being kind of mean. I went to go visit, and they were like, they were just, you know, unfortunately a stereotypical catty teenage girl. Not all teenage girls are catty, but these girls were. And um, they were bragging to my cousin and I that they had German ancestry, and I was like seventeen, and I just looked at them, and I was like, I wouldn't brag about that. Yeah, if I'm I like, were you. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, and they were like, Why not? And I was like, Because that definitely means your ancestors were Nazis, like, <laughs> yeah. like your grandparents probably. Yeah, like not that far away. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily. Right. You know. But, but I, if but you're like, Argentinian and you're like have no, you have German ancestry. That's like you know from your grandparents' side, or great grandparents' side. It was, yeah. I got it. You know, maybe you should keep that on the DL. I just wouldn't brag about. Yeah, it. Yeah, that's because like, even if it's not the case for your family, like it's just a coincidence or whatever. Like you should know the history and you should have the sensitivity to not brag about it. I don't know. <laughs> not brag that your ancestors are Nazis. <laughs> yeah, let's just not brag about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I would definitely, if I had Nazi answers, I would definitely keep that on the DL. <laughs> um, yeah, that's not something I would brag about. One would hope. Yeah, no, right? Yeah, you know what this, so what I just realized that you kind of did here is the, that first cult, what was it called? The Thule Society. The Thule Society essentially was so strong that it survived all the way to Odessa. Yes. It was kind it's of like, like a, the continuation. Yeah, it's like the through line is this belief in Aryan superiority and dominance mm. just kept, was so strong. And it evolved, right? Like, it evolved it, 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 with it the time. It started mm-hmm. with like just spreading the ideals mm-hmm. and then it corrupted and became so powerful that it not only spread the ideals, it spread the people mm-hmm. that spread the ideals across like the, it's like a cancer mm-hmm. across the entire world. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. That's a really good way to describe it. That was so good, babe. I know that, that was, was a, that was a tough one. I was, was disturbing, not lie. but it was really good. I think, <sighs> I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. To, it is important to talk about and to share, and for us to not ever forget things exactly. like this and the and like you said, the sphere of influence that still is present today in a different way, maybe, but it's still it's still there. It's still there. <sighs> Deep to, breath. <laughs> <laughs> Exhale. Okay. To end this on a. Slightly shifting to maybe positive or note. You know what this kept making me think of was what? the movie that we saw with oh, oh Oscar Isaac with Oscar Isaac. What's that called? I don't know the name, but he, they find Adolf Eichmann in yes. Argentina. They detail that like Israeli expedition force. Let me look it up. Hold on. You okay, guys. guys, hold on here. Oscar Isaac. I mean, he. It's gonna be hard because he's in a million movies now. That's so true. Oh, was it Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was the Adams Family. Oh my god, this dude is like in everything. Hold on. Operation Finale? Was that it? Mm. I think so. Oh yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Operation Finale. So it was a 
2018 film, Operation Finale. Good movie. It says, 15 years after the end of World War II, a team of top secret Israeli agents traveled to Argentina to track down Adolf Eichmann. Totally recommend watching it if you Absolutely. haven't. We loved it. I mean, you're like sweating bullets the oh whole time. Oh my God, yes, it's you are. It's super suspenseful, but it, and it's, you know, it's, it's bittersweet and it's dark and it's upsetting at times, but there is a, a small sense of like closure and justice and justice in it. So if this episode has you reeling a little bit, I definitely, or, or interested in, in learning more, I recommend watching that movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Very so, well done film. Absolutely. And very well done story, babe. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm bowing. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so thank you all so much for sitting here with us and listening to this podcast every Monday. It means so much to us. It really does. Yeah. It's so nice to be able to to share these stories, not just with each other, <laughs> um, which I love. I love talking with you. I do too. But it's cool when we have like friends and family even just reach out and like mention or bring up things from the podcast, it makes us really happy to know that we're providing some uh, accidental knowledge or <laughs> or some semblance of joy, <laughs> or some semblance of joy, hints of entertainment into oh, your day. I love it. So thank you all again, and um, you know, check us out every Monday for mm-hmm. new episodes. Yes, absolutely. And you can always find us on social media. Mm-hmm. We're biggest on probably the gram right now. <laughs> the gram. The yeah. gram at History for Weirdos. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephanie does a great job curating those posts. I do a job, you, you know. <laughs> you do a job. <laughs> <laughs> and you can always go to our website, uh, historyforweirdos.com. And if you have a weird history story that you would like for us to dive into on a future episode, you can email us at History for weirdos at gmail.com. And it's for like F-O-R, not the number. Yes, that's correct. And I think if without further ado, I think we can close this episode out. What do you say? Yep, I'd say that's it. All right, guys, have a great day and stay weird. Goodbye, weirdos. Bye, weirdos. Bye, weirdos.